It's an all-new house with brand new owners. House 2, the second story. It's getting weirder. Coming soon to your neighborhood. Dear listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I am Al. My random and your banter were sitting by the fire. My random told your banter, random banter time, buddies. Tell me a tale of things that have been going on. Iko Iko I ache. Iko Iko I ache. I going through to my head. I'm like, going, I what? What is it? What is yeah. it? <laughs> well, on that colorful note, yeah. <laughs> it's color in my ears. I would like to introduce our guest, Al Sedano. Host of the Resurrections, Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. It's a fun show. It's it's a show. It is in fact a show. It is a show. Much like our show, it is a, it show. Is a show. It is a show. <laughs> uh, you're not po- Professor Frenzy, but you are a show. Uh, so, uh, you, because we have had so much Warlock and Thanos in this book, I guess oh God, should, yeah, all over. I, I, all over the place. You just don't see it. It's behind the scenes. I mean, well, it's know, in the Marvel world setting. So yes, yes. And, you know, we all know that Power Pack really secretly got their powers from the Infinity Stones. And that's all about Thanos and all about Warlock. So why don't you tell us why you, a guy who has just wrapped in the warm, loving glow of Thanos, decided to come on to our show and talk about the uh, good, good, good kids yeah. of Power Pack. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Thanos is actually known as the Hugging Titan. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I think so. He hugs until it hurts no more. Yeah, he takes away the pain. <laughs> So, why did you want to come on our show? Because, well, besides liking you guys, <laughs> as opposed to hating you, that which is usually a good reason to go on a show. That could not possibly be the reason. We are not that well liked. That's the only reason I go on shows is just to go, oh, what are you doing on our show? I hate you. <laughs> and I want everyone to know it. Click. <laughs> Click. Done. Yeah. That's my contribution. Don't call me back. That's why we don't get invited on any shows. <laughs> I don't get invited on any shows. You get invited a bunch. Anyways, this is about you, Al, not about Jeff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, why not me, Jeff? What's the difference, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. I mean, if I was looking. <laughs> really, it's it's not a pleasant sight. Aw, that's so sad. Aww. You came to my home well, and insulted me. <laughs> Yeah. Every other week. Every other week. That works. <laughs> so what, what 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 brings you to Power Pack? Because before reading anything from any indie publisher or before anything from DC or even like the X-Books or the New Mutants or before any of the cosmic stuff, there was Power Pack. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is the comic, This is the thing that started it all for me. Back in the day, we're talking mid to late 80s, I was known in my family as a big reader and my uncle worked in recycling. No jokes about Italians in New York, New Jersey, working in recycling, please. We're, nope. we're, we're from we're from the West Coast. We wouldn't even know where to start with that joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a stereotype we are unaware of. Our ignorance, in this case, is bliss. <laughs> Yay! Is your bliss. <laughs> yes. He would get comics from there, like old ones that 
I don't know how he got them, but he did. And of course, his only pl- interest in them was to see what he could sell to make money. Mm-hmm. But if he had ones that weren't worth anything or duplicates and stuff, he let me take them so I could read them. So I had a stack of books, com- bunch of comics to read, including Power Pack number three. And eventually my little, and I loved it, especially that one. That was my favorite out of all of them. And eventually my little 10 or 11 year old brain realized, you know, you can still, I saw they, you could buy comics, <laughs> like new ones, not just what you get from him. Mm-hmm. And I went, so we were at the, uh, this was in Old Bridge, New Jersey, and I was at the Rudy Team Flea Market, which was a very crappy flea market. Even as an 11-year-old, I knew that. <laughs> but they had a little stand that sold comics, and the first comic that I bought as a person planning on buying comics each time was Power Pack 31. Nice. So this is, it all starts here. This is all bringing it back home. Well, I was wondering why you wanted to choose this one, because we're right in the middle of the crack uh, trilogy as it were, and it's, they're good. It's just, it's not what I would consider the first one that anybody would go for. (laughs) And and actually of the, actually I said trilogy, but it's really like four issues. Of the four issues, I think we've got three of them. We've got guests. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Yeah, but like I said, this is when I started reading. Yeah, so. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I I am really glad to have you on because uh, I know early on you started following us and we started a conversation online on Twitter and you've been one of our early supporters, and I really appreciate that. And also, we had the opportunity to do the Mephisto uh, little side project yes. a year ago, that and fun. that's that was a lot of fun. And I also enjoy listening to your show. You go much deeper. Well, thank you. You go much deeper into Warlock and Thanos than I ever have, but I find it to be a very nice distraction. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, he's still prattling on about Thanos and and something else crazy he did. <laughs> nice, awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I aspire to prattling, so I'm actually feeling good about that. <laughs> no, it's 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 good. It, it's it's a it's something I've a little interested in. I, I I've read you know Infinity Gauntlet, and I've read um, I've got old issues of Warlock and the Infinity Watch, and so I, I've I've got you know some exposure to that stuff. But it is nice to hear your show and kind of get caught up in things that I really don't follow that much right now. So thank you. You do a good job out there in the community. Thank you. And you guys too. I mean, honestly, Power Pack was up there in the ones I was when I was initially picking what show to do. And it was one of the top contenders. And I'm actually very happy I did not choose it because <laughs> I think you guys do it way better than I would have. So I'm very happy well, th- that it worked out this way. Well, thank you very much. That's really nice of you to say. Yeah. Considering we honestly don't know what we're doing, we appreciate that. <laughs> you never tell them you don't know what you're doing. Oh, no. I have still no clue what I'm doing. We say that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're very open in our... we're very open and not knowing what we're doing i was telling jeff earlier that uh on saturday i was in a little poker tournament with a monthly group i i go play with i saw yeah and and i am not i am not the best poker player there at all i am not that good i am amateur amateur but i don't know i did watch rounders a week before so maybe that was it (laughs) (laughs) there you go but i uh yeah i went there and it just everything was clicking and 130 bucks later yeah but the entire night, I was like, I'm not this good. I I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I was going to place. What am I doing at the final heads up? Uh, yeah. See, that's what I did wrong earlier today. That's the technology issue. I should have watched Hackers last night. There you oh, go. Oh, there you would have. That would have uh, dealt with your computer problems fast. And, and it, that would have fixed everything. And nothing else, you would have at least figured out how to actually, you know, fix the problems in the computer. Because if there's nothing else, Hackers is an extremely good technical piece of film mm, it's so accurate 
so so accurate okay <laughs> just can't <laughs> on that bombshell jeff can you please give us the two sentence replay from last episode Alex joins his new best friend, Johnny Rivals Gang, and gets an immediate crash course on the 80s crack epidemic in New York City as he gets to witness a crack bust with his new friends. Well, it turns out that Johnny Rivals' crackhead slash crack dealer older brother was caught in that bust, but he quickly got out on bail and is back to selling crack to school kids before he is gunned down by the police during a poorly planned out robbery. Now that the three kids got smacked in the face, two kids died, and one kid... Alex, was an insufferable jerk to the people that love him the most. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what her power pack pick is? You know, usually I say my pleasure, my friend, but I'm not going to this time because you were a bad, bad man last episode. A bad, bad man. It was funny and I laughed a lot when I re-listened to it. It's not fair. <laughs> El Sedano has not listened to it yet, but I, it, it, it he, was, he was a bad man. He, he chose... He was a bad man. Get a doll. My art, not 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 that. I just uh, my art choices were uh, a series of bad choices, improving <laughs> in quality and uh, <laughs> He was laughing at the misery one. of others, is what he was doing. Laughing at the misery of others. Here's the best. <laughs> yeah. the best part. It made uh, Rick's final choice even worse. It made him <laughs> seem like the jerk. It was great. Yes, it did. <laughs> hate you so much <laughs> you sir do not deserve this beer oh uh, i don't deserve lots of things but the good news is is that al and i actually were able to you know team up and get the same beer what that's yes. the first time that's happened yes, we actually made it happen so, synchronicity that is super sweet that's cool from across the continent too because know. you know we're over here in oregon he's, he's over, over there in, in florida yeah over in tampa so, I mean, it took some time it took that, some talent that's but, rough yeah but, that, no that's the Good job, you guys. Well done. So, wh why don't you go ahead and, be, and do the honors then, Al? All right. Well, this is 21st Amendment Brewery, Brew Free or Die, IPA. <laughs> that is a big Abraham Lincoln. He well, is punching the hops out of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> that, is, that is Lincoln. He's coming for Roosevelt. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the one that we have is is the tall boy. So I don't yeah. know if the picture's a little different on yours, but it looks I probably the same. Yeah, probably the same. But yeah, that is cool looking. Yeah, yeah that's just, that looks happy. We don't have a Roosevelt on ours. It's just yeah. all Lincoln. It's just Lincoln. I was trying to think of another oh. president he might be swinging at, but he's got basically he's got a, a left fist cocked, filled with hops, and he's happy that he's going to be swinging those hops at somebody. So that's a good looking can. That is yeah. a really good looking can. I think the artwork's a little different between the the uh, tall boy and the can that you got, but Maybe. it's yeah. uh, it sells the Lincoln, but it has the other three faces. Roosevelt okay. looks happy. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I thought it was both. Isn't it? Wait, who's on Mouth Rushmore? I thought it was both Roosevelts. No, it's uh, Washington, Jefferson. Oh, it is Jefferson. Teddy, okay, yeah, Roosevelt, Teddy and Roosevelt Lincoln. Lincoln. So yeah, Roosevelt uh, looks very happy. Jefferson looks kind of like smirking, and Washington looks very nervous. <laughs> I like I like story time on this can. Story time on this can is one pint, three point two fluid ounces. That's a that's a good story time. <laughs> that's a really good story time. <laughs> this is seven percent alcohol by volume, seventy IBU, and it says, "Like Abe, we believe in freedom. Freedom from the notion that IPAs should only assail you with bitterness, and from the idea that a big balanced hoppy beer can't possibly come in a can." We believe that those who have tasted freedom shall forever brew free. 
Our Golden West Coast IPA is perfectly balanced with a solid malt backbone and just the right amount of hop flavor and aroma. Taste freedom! Taste the freedom. Taste the freedom. Well, that pours with a lot of foam. Skittles of beer. Skittles beer. <laughs> nice Simpsons. You know it's out there somewhere, too. Oh, God, yes. And if not, someone's not trying hard enough. Well, that is pretty almost transparent. It is a very bubbly beer, but that has yeah. got a nice uh, nice kind of orangey lager coloration. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah, pours with about nice head on it yeah pours about three inches of foam on the top this tastes quite good yeah yeah it's it's very reminiscent in flavor to the um what is it the mecha panda robot panda that we had on our patreon yeah it's good it's not very hoppy no it does have a it's got the it's got the hop bitterness in the back there i am tasting yeah. in the back of the tongue but it's not overpowering it is not overpowering it has got a little no. bit of a kind of a sweet flavor going for it mm -hmm. uh nose on it is very mild ipa uh yeah, yeah it, it's got it's got a nice body to it no i like this this is um yeah this is an ipa that i would drink yeah well because it yeah. it's hiding its ipa and it's not really in like other flavors it's just very subdued right it's and you know seven percent yeah that's that's not light. No, I'm so that's, I'm very surprised by that. Yeah, that's a good is, kick. Yeah, because yeah, IPAs usually I'm like okay with because too much hoppy. I'm yeah. not a fan of too much hoppy. Exactly. Yeah, but this is like we. just enough hoppy. Yeah, me and Rick are predominantly stout drinkers, and uh, so we've been drinking a lot of IPAs for the show because tying in the theme to a beer is like oh well, there's a lot of IPAs around that kind of tie right in, and so we've actually been drinking some that are quite tasty, and this is this is fairly decent. This is pretty okay. Spe speaking of tying in, Jeff. Why do you think that this ties into the book? Oh, what is it? Uh, brew free or die? Hmm. Hmm. Um, is it because crack dealers want to uh, make crack and Alex wants them to die? Yes. Yes. The reason why we bought this is because we said that crack cocaine is very reminiscent of cracked rocks, which is what Mount Rushmore is made of. That is exactly uh, the reason we bought this. Okay. No, it's not. Al, <laughs> why do we buy this? <laughs> Well, because for one thing, we have. What are the other three kids doing this is in this issue? Uh, not much. They are. <laughs> they are doing a play about the immigrant story. Yes. 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 They're being very patriotic, including Miss mm -hmm. Julie in the uh, Statue of Liberty costume. Ah, oh, that her mom made. Oh, I okay. I see how you brought it all around. Exactly. Okay. I normally I'm better at this. Normally I can kind of guess what the uh, what the tie-in is, and I'm like, don't know, but I like Honest Abe. So. <laughs> Plus, I didn't think of it till just now, but it actually, at least the artwork on mine even works with that. You got Abe on his own while the other three are together. Ah, yes. Abe is a name that starts with an A. Al Alex. is a name that starts with an A, so it's very reminiscent of you as well. All right. Nice, nice. All right, we're tying this we're in. Tying this is working in. We have our beers. Let's move on to the issue at hand. With the opening credits, if you please, Jeff. Power Pack, issue number 31, August 1987, Crackdown. Credits, writer, Louis Simonson. Pencils, John Bogdanov. Inks, Hilary Barta. Letterers, Joe Rosen. Colors, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer. He disintegrates matter, turning into energy, which he can expel into energy balls. Also, Julie Power and Jack Power and Katie Power, known as the other kids appearing in this film. Guest starring Thanos, the mad genocidal warlord from Titan, and Adam Warlock. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Al, you got the wrong comic. You got the wrong show. You know, come on, man. 
Keep it together. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, those guys are not appearing in this comic. But we do have the supervillain team trash. We'll get to them later. And also the Powers Pack's parents, who still do not know their kids are superpowered powerhouses. Moving on, or picking up from the immediate moments after last issue, Alex and company are still on the scene of a robbery gone bad. The paramedics are moving the late Rip rival into an ambulance as the kids recount the occurrences of last month's comic issue. Hmm, you know, they could have just listened to my two-sentence replay. Except for the reality of quantum physics and time travel. At least they did not turn them into a baby. Uh, what? Dude, watch Endgame already, would you please? Seriously. I want to. <laughs> I am so behind on all my media. It's called a two-year-old. Alex is really upset and runs off from the rest of the pack while shouting that he is mad as heck and he's not going to take it anymore. And so Alex is either trying to get a part in next year's play as Howard Beale, or he's determined to find a supplier of the crack that Rip was selling. You know, actually, it looks like Alex might have a plan here. Really? Are you sure? Because it seems like he's just going off half-cocked. No, 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 no. He's all the way cocked. Okay, listen to this. Check it out. What he wants to do is, one, find a supplier. Two, meh. Three, rid the world of all drugs. Maybe four, profit, but that's probably Jack's plan. Yeah, that seems more like a solid Alex plan. Big picture, no details. And speaking of no details, he costumes on and then disintegrates a garbage can in an open alley in broad daylight. Julie quickly costumes on and clouds up the area to give him cover. But the nearby crowd now thinks that there's a fire in the alley. Really showing everyone a practical exercise in leadership, ain't you, Destroyer? Well, the kids fly out with Alex still protesting. Cut it out, you jerks! Yes, jerks! What the heck did you think you were doing back there? I'm gonna find the place where they make that garbage, and I'm gonna smash it to splinters! Wow. Again? In a sarcastic voice. Great plan. Um, dude, Al, you're supposed to say that in a sarcastic voice, not read the directions oh sorry like this is this better luckily for alex the gods of efficient storytelling and perfect timing are smiling on the blonde boy because he spies a drug deal going down in a park nearby the old grand hotel this is the most amazing drug deal in the world i mean the kids are hundreds of feet in the air and they see a guy holding a bag of crack giving a couple of vials to a junkie who's waving a fistful of cash. Real, real subtle there. But probably accurate. I mean, what do I know about how New York drug transactions went down in the 80s? After this transaction, Alex demands that they play follow the leader, which they do, for over an hour as he walks uptown past Gray's Papaya. That's pretty specific. Where do you get that from? Some amazing artistic clues in John Bogdanov's artwork and Google Maps. Modern technology is so awesome. You know, except when it completely fails us when we're trying to record. Except for them. You know, I do live on the East Coast, and I've been to New York many times. I could have told you some of this stuff. But technology? Alex is spending the entire trip arguing with his siblings. Julie really wants to get back so their parents don't worry, which, you know, looking at their track record is not a bad plan. Plus, the younger siblings need to be in a school play tonight. How can you think about a stupid little kid play when even more kids might be dying right now? Further, Alex dismisses this so-called logical thinking by saying that they have these powers to save the world. And getting rid of a crack house is going to do just that. Wait a minute. Destroying one crack house equals saving the world? Oh yeah. 
Look, Alex is a act local, think global kind of guy, all right? While all this complaining has been occurring, the kids spy with their little eyes, the dealer walking into a house guarded by a big, big guy named Brute. We're talking upper arms the size of Cadillacs here. The beefy body body seems bereft of brightness as he answers several questions with an, uh, yeah, but he easily lifts up the concrete slab that is being used as a door. So, you know, he's got that going for him. There's also this really pale, scrawny blonde girl outside as well. Jack and Katie are really the only ones here that have been paying attention to the fact that the crack house might just be guarded by supervillains, while Alex continues to rant about how kids in the world are dying from drugs. Then they fly, Peter Pan style, to a mostly boarded up window so that they can continue to play their game of I Spy. The sibling super kids sneakily scope out the suspect structure, stealthily searching and secretly seeing in the CD site. Several sick and sleepy scum are slouched, stuffed in the stinky and sleazy sephoric spot. Seriously, several sibilant sounds starting with S? Some. We like to share the magic of alliteration with our guests. Alex is eager to enter the evil edifice, extracting earned enmity, but Julie is insistent that the eliminating occur after the entertainment. They do gander in a grimy window and wonder if they spotted some supervillain guards inside, but Alex shuts this train of thought down. He says that all the cocaine dust in the air made them see funny stuff. Uh, Alex, that isn't how drugs inside a building you are looking at work. But, you know, credit to you. Good hustle on diverting the attention away from a very serious down-the-line problem. And so the kids go home. Three-fourths of the power kids are thrilled about the play, and so the parents take a picture of the quad kids. The resulting photos show Katie, Julie, and Jack smiling happily, in their play costumes, while sullen Alex does his best Batman scowl behind them. Way to go, Alex. Way to ruin a picture. Batman never ruins pictures. Julie smacks Jack around for giving the devil horns behind her head in the picture, as Maggie checks on her oldest child. She and Jim are worried about him, but they're chalking it up to him not being in the elementary school play anymore. Ah, yes. The junior high school near teen entering into puberty is angry that he is not in a kid's play with his siblings. You poor naive parents. Jack, I'm gonna pound you. Mom, Julie and Jack are fighting. Soon, the family is skipping, strolling, or, you know, sulking their way to the theater, depending on the power family member. They meet up with Katie's teacher, and plans are made for them all to have ice cream later. Ooh, ice cream. Mmm, ice cream. They also pass by another crack dealer, something that Alex notices. The dealer is probably not selling ice cream. Probably not, but that burning hatred in Alex's stomach, that's churning more. Or it might be the spicy burrito he had for dinner. Later at school, the performance is underway. It seems to be a patriotic presentation focusing on the pride of immigration. The lines the children are saying are woven together from famous prose and poetry. Jack is reciting parts of I Am an American by Elias Lieberman, while Julie presents The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus. And while this orational overload of awesomeness occurs, Alex becomes more and more angry, cynically comparing the words being spoken to the reality he's seeing on the street. He gets himself so worked up and angry that he quickly excuses himself, telling his parents that he is not well and will see them at home. Me thinks he might be lying. Yeah, yeah. Alex is going to go ahead and do something stupid now. Unlike all the other times he has done something stupid, he starts by costuming on and powering up, only to be freaked out by some rats and setting off a powerball without looking first. Smooth bro, do you even know how to superhero? 
First pigeons, and now rats. I'm starting to think that he shouldn't have this power set after all. And as the one non-flying member of the team begins the long hike to the crack house, the play inside ends. Post-hugs and parental accolades, the dramatic trio notice the missing brother. The power parents tell the others that Alex was not feeling well and went home. And this leads to a couple of great panels as the three children deduce what Alex has done, what they should do, and what the impromptu second performance should be in order to extricate themselves from this dilemma. So, ta-da! Who's in the mood for ice cream? So, what do we do now? Don't everybody jump at once. Ow, my stomach! Alright, Katie's sick! Uh, I mean, oh heck, Katie's too sick for ice cream. Yeah, I feel kind of barfy. Jack and me will take her home, right Jack? You go out with Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. Bye, have a good time! Even though these three thespians throw out a thorough thrifty thread, the thought of withdrawing falls through. Thankfully, this thesis is through. More thankfully, I didn't have to do that. The parents skip the ice cream and invite the Johnsons over, making things much more complicated for the power kids. Meanwhile at the crack house... Home of the fighting fences and shadowed streets and uh, barking dogs. And fire escapes. Alex is starting to realize that it sucks not being able to fly. Well, he already knew that, and I could have told him that. But after making it past all these obstacles, it appears that the creak of an old window tips off some of the crack house denizens that he is sneaking around, spotting the muscular brute and a new figure with yellow-scaled skin and claws named Razor. He quickly hides, powers up, and prepares to, and I quote, blow this dump to smithereens. Meanwhile, in a place that is not a dump and will not be blown to smithereens. Home of the fighting powers. Less fighting, more scheming. Yeah, the kids have been running a few different lines on their parents here. One, that Alex is sleeping and they should leave him alone. Two, the adults should just stay out here and talk. And three, they are all tired. A point that they demonstrate by faking exhaustion followed by a big... (sighs) Then they throw down a smoke bomb and run out of the living room and into their bedrooms. After changing into pajamas, then their costumes, and stuffing their beds to make it look like they're sleeping in them, they extricate themselves from their home. Katie is a little miffed that they had to lie to their parents again. Hey kid, listen. Lying to your parents when you sneak out at night to fight crime is a time-honored tradition all teenagers must pass through. I did. The East Coast seems like such a strange place. On the West Coast, we just snuck out to go drink Boone's Farm wine in empty parks. But these three kids head off into the night to find their impulsive hot-headed brother. But Jack is the impulsive hot-headed one, and he is with them. No, 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 not Jack. I mean, Alex. Wow. Uh, comparatively speaking, Jack seems pretty down-to-earth right now. What do you mean down-to-earth? He's, like, floating all the way up in the sky. Meanwhile in the crack house. Home of the fighting crackheads. And boy howdy, we have a regular battle royale on our hands. Alex has come in blazing with power, firing off power balls, and announcing... Eat energy, crackheads! And while the opiate operators orate opposition to this outrageous onslaught occurring on their operation, odd opponents originate on stage. We have trash here. Five kids who appear to have some freakish powers. And probably should do a little roll call, you think? Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with Razor Cut. He's the leader and sports some spiky black hair and golden scaly skin as well as razor claws for fingertips. His body is diamond hard and full of sharp edges. Next we have Brute. He was that guy standing outside the crack house earlier. Big, beefy, strong, and limited on the intelligence. 
he mostly follows suggestions from his teammates. The other kid we saw earlier is here as well. Before, she was a skinny, jaundiced-looking kid with long blonde hair. Now her head is ballooned to an enormous shape and she is floating. She goes by the name of Airhead. Of course. Crazy Legs is an African-American kid with long legs. He can pull them in close and shoot them out like pistons, or just kick you from across the room. Or take really long steps. So, he has, you know, crazy legs. And Stiltman was taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a fleshy man, Stiltman. Finally, we have Blasting Cap, a very nervous kid with a shock of orange hair. If he can settle down and concentrate on an object, he can cause it to explode. Altogether, this is a team of some dangerous dudes. And, you know, Airhead. And they're giving it to Alex. Razorcut slashes the table out from under him while Brute tries to drop a fridge on him. Slash, crash. But Alex rolls at the punches and blasts apart the attacking appliance. Cracked, crushum, crash. And Neely takes out his family, who are flying above the building. Holy cow! When Alex said he'd smash this crack house, I guess he meant it. Now we have a hootenanny. What's a hootenanny? A hootenanny. Well, it's a party that is chock full of hoot with just a little bit of nanny. The rest of the pack enter the fray with Julie doing a Julie hammer on the back of Razor Cut's neck. While it does knock him into brute, it also slices up her knees. Razor Cut is not out and he is not impressed. Let me guess, you're little baby superheroes. Heroes, yeah, but we're not babies. As Razor tries to cut Julie, she clouds up and gives the sharp boy a bit of a fright. At the same moment, Jack is trying to float Alex up while lecturing him on doing this alone. This prevents them from seeing or hearing what is happening behind them. One of the managers of this place directs Crazy Legs to kill these kids. Crazy Legs, being a true capitalist, demands extra payment for wasting these super babies. Upon the affirmative from the drug pusher, the tall boy slams his legs into the backs of the boys. Whack, shrapped, ram. Alex, of course, has set off another Powerball, opening up a wall in the crack house. As he and his brother bounce off the ceiling, they are partially caught by Katie. She deposits her brothers to the ground, but Crazy Legs is coming in for the kill. This is when Katie cranks up the flying. She completes an amazing display of pretzel turns around and under this tall and lanky kid before landing a two-fist ram into his old bread basket. Boom! Julie clouds up the room, but Razor eventually finds Alex, who is just now getting up. Alex quickly blasts the floor beneath the villain's feet, causing him to take the express elevator to the bottom floor. Airhead has had enough. She screams in the Blasting Cap's face that he needs to get it together and do something. As the nervous Nelly needs his noodle, Brute rips out the gas oven and throws it at Power Pack. The damage is done. Blasting Cap's power ignites the gas main, causing a horrific chain reaction. As Katie pulls Alex and Jack away, Julie Cloud's crazy leg steps out a window and Blasting Cap and Airhead pull out Brute. The crack house goes... Vroom. Trash seems to have gotten away, and the power kids watch the house burn. As the surrounding borough gets high... So high. The family continues to berate Alex for his utterly stupid life choices all the way home. He ran off, left his siblings in a lurch, tried to take down a crack house alone, invested in unsound stocks, and he sent money to a Nigerian prince. What? Wait, that's bad? But he, the prince told me he promised he'd be able to access his family's... In the, if I... Ah, uh, uh, man... The kids make it back just in time to see the Johnsons being let out of the apartment. The girls quickly drop off the boys at their window and fly into their room. Eek! Costumes off! 
Just in time, the power parents enter the room, commenting that Katie must have had a bad dream about the play, because Maggie thought Katie said costumes off. And after the parents check on the boys, they talk about a news report from the Expositional News Network, thank you Michael Bailey, that they heard about a crack house burning close by. And Alex, hearing his father say good riddance, smiles in his fake sleep. What a faker. Next issue. It's the final countdown. Do 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 do. Uh, 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 yep. It actually isn't it called the final solution? It says the return of trash and the garbage man. Yeah, it is. But I wanted to sing. I don't want to hear it. I want to look at this cover of this book. I want to go to Power Pack packaging. Okay, we can do that. So this cover, we have got it drawn by our favorites, John Bogdanov and Hilary Barta. It's another good John Bogdanov one. I actually kind of like this one. We've got Trash. And it's introducing Trash, who are beating the stuffing out of Alex. Brute has got his arm, Alex's arms pinned back, and Alex is all energized up. Airhead's coming in from the side with a hypodermic needle looking freaky as anything. Uh, he's getting slashed across the stomach by Razor Cut. Blasting Cap kind of like in the foreground shadow, and then kind of hovering above because the really long legs is crazy legs and he's kind of punching down so it's you know they're all attacking on alex yeah it's not a scene that happened in the book but it is very 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 close yes except for uh airhead coming at him with a hypodermic needle which is just all sorts of janked up in my opinion (laughs) that's wrong and we'll find out next issue why that's wrong that does not happen otherwise so it's i I like this it's a really action-packed scene what do you guys think yeah, that's a good cover. It showcases basically what um, everybody except Blasting Cap can do. In their, you know, it's like these are the villains that they're going to be facing. You almost get an idea of what all of their powers are. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, because at least for the three of them, you can definitely see well, really long legs, uh, sharp skin, really strong. Airhead's a little hard. I mean, you can't see where her arms, or legs are, so you can't tell if she's flying or not. But you see right. there's something up of her head at least. You know she's got a big old messed up head. Yeah, it almost looks like she's like a brainiac or something. Yeah. I was going to say it almost looks like a gopher power or something. Those teeth in the front look like she's about to start gnawing on somebody. <laughs> oh, she, yeah. she is related to a, 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 what is it, a Great Lakes Avenger that we all know. Squirrel, and girl. Squirrel girl. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's the black sheep of her family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Squirrel Girl's all. And my older sister, Airhead. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's what Squirrel Girl sounds like. I really don't know. No, that, that's completely <laughs> off. But uh, I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. That that's all I gotta say on this. I, this is just a good good cover. Yeah, it's, it's, good cover. it's not too bad. I wouldn't mind getting it signed and hanging it up on the wall. Let's go into some of our random themes, and um, this is kind of fortuitous because we've got somebody who actually lives on the East Coast on the show, so they can help us talk about some of the really cool locations that John Bogdanov drew in this issue. I I, I think we can tell that he lived and knew this town very well because he's drawing some very specific locations and he's drawing them really, really well. Like I said, I was able to go online and look up on Google and find the places that are still there. And it's, I, I could actually follow this drug dealer walking a very long way from, from yeah, where they first... always from Queens to Manhattan. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a hike that he goes on, but still it's, it's a really good you know, the really good drawing of those locations. We have the call out to Gotham Comics, which 
I think is an old comic book store that used to be in New York at that time. I did find a Gotham Comics in Queens. Right. But there, I, yeah. And I'm not sure if that was actually in uh, the one that they were talking about. Cause it seemed like the one they were talking about was still actually in, in Manhattan, but it could have moved. I didn't know of that store. I mean, it's not one of the ones I heard about. I know about Midtown. I know about St. Mark's. You know, this is also, you know, 30-year-old comic, so things may have mm-hmm. changed. It may have moved. But the old Grand Hotel on Broadway and 31st, that's still there. Gray's Papaya on 72nd and Broadway, that's still there. It's it, There's just these great little landmarks that you can actually follow along. And, and he just you kind of see just John Bogdanov drawing some great stuff. I don't know if you want to talk about that anymore. I mean, I can't say too much. I've actually never been to any of them there. I've been near two of them. Uh, I looked them like you like you did. I looked them up on Google Maps. The old Grand Hotel, I it's near the Canal Street Station, uh, bus the uh, subway station, and I know I've gotten on and off there, so I've been near it. And the Grace Papaya, I know I've passed it. I've seen it in cabs when I've passed it, and I know it's near the Museum of Natural History, and I've been there several times. So I've been in the vicinity. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I've been to New York three times now and the last time it was literally overnight <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah oh. so so I, I i did not have chance to really um do a lot of of walking around and enjoying a lot of those sites and also it was before i read this issue so i didn't make it a point to go and see those sites yeah <laughs> now i kind of keep myself on it and actually also i noticed on the map real quick the aquarium from was it like issues 12 and 13 with Snake Eyes? Right. Is really close, more or less, to where my family actually lived in Brooklyn when I would go visit them as a kid. My family, my mother's side was in Bay Ridge and my father's side was in Bensonhurst. And if you look on the map there, that's just above the section where the uh, aquarium is. So, so I didn't realize were, how close I was. When, when, when you were there, did you ever remember seeing any giant snakes? No, I think my uncle may have said something about seeing giant snakes, but he was also... Definitely imbibing and taking of things that he probably that Johnny he probably would have bought from Rip Rival. Okay, all right. Well, good connection to the book then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and a good segue because let's talk about the crack in the eighties. Um, when we were talking with Wheezy about these books, when we were interviewing her last, she said that she got the idea from her friend, and a lot of this arc is based upon things that actually happened to him. And she told us the story that John Bogdanov, in preparing for this issue. He actually went out and, you know, went to a crack house, snuck by a window, peeked in, and used that as kind of his his uh, sketch for how he did the drawings of what the crack houses look like. So I can't wait to talk to him because I want to ask him exactly how crazy he was in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, dude, that's... That seems to be a very serious and like, hey, I'm going to put my life in my own hands now for my art. <laughs> Is Die this for okay? my art, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> but crack was a uh, crack was a thing back in the eighties. I mean, you know, living on the West Coast, I didn't really know too much about it. But you hear, you heard the stories. You know, kind of the the reputation of New York back then, and just the prevalence of drugs and the you know say just say no to drugs campaign and things like that. So this was a big deal back then. There was a reason why Wheezy was writing about it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because she lived in the community. 
that had that problem. So it was very much in her daily commute. It was in her daily life. So I'm sure, you know, hey, I'm going to go walk out around the town. Yeah, that's a drug dealer. Yeah, that's a guy over there passed out. There's somebody who's, yeah, it, it was something that she saw. Mm-hmm. So very first person kind of uh, storytelling with that, I would guess. What about your memories from living in that community or living in that area during that time, Al? N- not as much as like them, obviously. I mean, I was in the suburbs of New Jersey. We would go visit my family in there, but, you know, a lot of times we weren't running around on the street. And the neighborhoods in Brooklyn, they were at least, I didn't notice it. But maybe it's also kind of like in the issue. If you notice, the, the kids and even the parents aren't really paying attention to the crack deal going on. Only Alex is. Because mm-hmm. he's being hyper aware about it, yeah. Katie. You know, Katie did not see a thing at all. Nope. And that probably would have been me. It's like, oh, I'm with my cousin. Oh, we're going to Nelly Bly, which is like this little amusement park they had there in Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, that's all I cared about. I wasn't paying attention to what people were doing. I had no clue. <laughs> There's a lot of that too. If you're not looking for stuff, you're not seeing things. Uh, that is a very common occurrence where it's just kind of like, huh, there's a something, whatever, da, 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 da. I'm going on with my own life. And that could be a very, uh, and that could be very key with what we see Alex and the rest of the kids like, just like you were saying, Al, in this book. We have, you know, the, the kids have walked around New York together, they've done a bunch of things, and they haven't seen this or experienced it. And then all of a sudden, Alex sees it firsthand. He, yeah, you know, well, gets, he's only now seeing it because right. he got to have the experience in the previous issue. Right, and that's the thing. He's, he's now introduced to it. It's like, I, I started working at FedEx a long time ago, and once I started working at FedEx, I saw FedEx trucks everywhere. Yeah. It's it's that, that mindset that once you see it, you actually see it, yeah. and you can actually mm-hmm. pick those things out. And so now he's looking for it, and he knows it's there, and he sees those dark shadows, which you know we might just pass by. You know, we probably see a lot of this stuff too. And, you know, we live in Portland. This stuff happens in Portland. We walk around, we go around different places. It's that blind eye. I don't want to look over there because there's something going on there. And I just don't want to see it. I don't want to realize it. Yeah. And Alex is forced into it because not just seeing it, what happened, but I mean, he saw somebody get killed because of it. I mean, mm-hmm. right. Well, he didn't just catch a deal and happen to be noticed about that. <laughs> right. I think it's a very realistic. Besides trash and the power mm-hmm. and the powers that the power kids have, I think it's a very realistic thing that you know. Here's this actual thing that's occurring. We're going to bring superpowers into it, but here's what the kids are seeing, and here's the reality of what actually happens. Speaking of superpowers and trash, let's talk about trash. What's our first take on these kids? Do we like them? Do we not like them? There's some problematic elements about them possibly <laughs> yeah, i was just gonna say they're a little they're a little hard they're fine they have superpowers they're whatever okay it's great yeah, strong guy okay stretchy leg guy uh you know claw guy uh fly girl mm-hmm. and ex, ex, you know, explode they're, they're almost the x-men sure. almost really you know it's just like oh blasting cap can be psych razor claw can be wolverine or razor cut uh airhead could be i don't know uh east oh no he has the angel <laughs> Angel, yeah, Angel, yeah, Angel yeah. perfect. And then, you know, Brute could be Colossus. So, you know, it's like there's a lot of analogies sure. with that. That being said, it's kind of a racial sort of kind of stereotype might not be right, but there is a pretty, uh, pretty kind of obvious puzzle piece that can be put on here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There could I, be kind I, of a generic rubber stamp that would be like, well, of course the 
basketball playing African Americans got really long legs because that's why he plays basketball, and of course and, and, the big strong dumb guy and right. and the yeah the Asian guy is. Uh, <laughs> well, you've yeah. got yeah you've got the Asian. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what ethnicity Razorcut is, but I think that I think that it looks, the it eyes, looks very Korean to me. Yeah, I think we get thing. we get some of the Asian yeah. influence there. And that's then, what I was it, thinking too. Yeah. yeah. Airhead. Ah, oh, she's a blonde. She's, she's an airhead. She's blonde, blonde, but she's she's also jaundiced too. So it's kind of we don't know. Yeah. Um, blasting cap is just he, he's an Irish kid, I guess. I don't know. He's just a <laughs> your yeah your carrot topped scared kid who uh, I, I'm sure the only reason he's using his powers is because his quote unquote friends are telling him to, and the only reason he's with them is because he has no other choice. In my memory of this comic from, as a kid. I remembered that they got their powers not unlike Cloak and Dagger and that they yeah, were... Yeah, I think it was a drug experimentation right. thing with them. But there's nothing in these books that says that. In in this book or the next book, and I like it's where I prescribe to it. that they mm-hmm. Because they're involved with this, they got their powers through something like this. They say that they don't do drugs, they just deliver them and stuff. And mm-hmm. like they've got some family members that are hooked. But in my mind, I just prescribed, oh, they are drug users because of kind of how they're presented i could see that to get a to get a thorough grounding in their characters if you uh go on google and well i I only did this for razor cut but if you look them up you will find out a lot of information about them such as uh razor cut was in a couple of power pack issues and uh he's got diamond sharp skin and claws okay so so this is actually just a bit you're doing right now right (laughs) no this is about all the information that i found of them yeah it was just looking up razor cut it was like there is nothing no. on these kids. They barely. I don't. I don't even know if they really got used afterwards. I no, think Razor Cut got to be in a couple it, right? of the different comics, but yeah I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that this is basically it. As far yeah. as they were introduced in Power Pack, and they just have never really come back at all. Yeah, there there is not a lot on there, which is a little sad because okay, we've got these characters. Mm-hmm. They are somewhat stereotypical mm-hmm. on some levels, but you know what? We have some minority and characters. We've got some characters of color here. Mm-hmm. Hey, we possibly use them? I was going to say, even as a kid, I always thought, even though they were trying to kill them, or so they said they were, they didn't come across as like, we're here to do evil. Right. It was more no. like, like, I think it's crazy, like says, I have mouths to feed. Yeah, yeah. they're trying to get you know, paid. It, That's all. Yeah, he's not even saying like, to. I want money. He's right. saying, hey, I need to take care of people. And mm-hmm. I always got the idea that like, if they kept using them, they would have been... Not like Avengers Masters of Evil, but maybe a bit more of the modern, more modern X-Men and Magneto. You know, kind of like a bit of a shadow version of them. It's like, they're not really villains in the fact that they're looking to do evil. It's just like, hey, we got to survive and we got to make money and we have powers. And that's pretty much the only thing we have going for us. So let's use them to make some money. They they exist on that, that strange, uh, kind of half moral or that that strange line of morals where they don't have they don't really recognize what the morals of society say Mm -hmm. they don't say okay i'm going to go out and do good for good's sake or i'm going to go out and i'm going to try to be evil and take over the world they mostly exist in that neutral area of just saying okay um i'm going to do what i need to to survive yeah and if it somehow aligns with doing good right now fantastic if i have to break some laws to do it mm, okay i don't care yeah i think they, they're very much of the i'm trying to put food in mouths right. they, they aren't going to go to either the extremes which is i'm going to do good 
just because I want to do good, but they're also not going to be doing, I want to kill somebody or mm-hmm. I want to cause permanent damage to somebody. They just want to survive. Yeah. Yeah. They're not Captain America, but they're not Wolf- Sabretooth either. Nope. No. No. I actually do like these kids. And I actually, the more I talk about them, the more I look at them, I can see where some of the problems are. And I think it's going to be interesting. Our uh, next episode, we're going to talk to Osvaldo Oila about these characters. And I know he's got some, some opinions on them, but I, I think it'll be really interesting to kind of really dive a little further into them and, and talk about them more. Cause I kind of like them and I've remembered them from these books when I was growing up too. So, yeah, I mean, the problem is they only have these two appearances. It's, not that easy to get... I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible either, right. but it's not that easy to get too deep into characters when they have a very brief appearance. Right. So it's a lot easier to look stereotypical when they just kind of show up, are there, and go away, mm-hmm. as opposed to sticking around and having like a more... have story some story arcs about them, being a lot of the things, seeing different sides of them, and they become more well-rounded, and it's not just... Oh, well, the African-American guy, well, he has long legs, and he has... We're going to put... You know, he's wearing a... Basketball jersey, because sure. that's why he played. And that's it. Boom. Done. Unfortunately, because they have two appearances, not saying it's not, and there isn't anything like that there, but it's just if they had more, they might have been more fleshed out characters. They had the potential, I think, of being like a good shadow thing for Power Pack. Like a good, uh, not shadow, but like a counterbalance to them or, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. opposite viewpoint. Yeah. I, although I don't see them being as kind of nemesis or completely opposite. Like I said, they, they fall into that more neutral category, so... They're willing to. You know, I think any of the instigation with them between them and Power Pack, between them and Power Pack, would actually come from Power Pack side. I could see them doing team ups. I could see them doing, uh, yeah. Oh, we have to fight each other because you know we're on different sides of whatever the crime that's going on. It would have been interesting to see them in future issues, mm-hmm. but they uh, a bit like Cyanex from New Warriors. <laughs> If you remember yes. that. Yes. I, I've, I recently reread the end of uh, New Warriors just to see exactly where Alex was in that. And Cyanex, yes, very much like Cyanex, who kind of like, hey, we're kind of friends with you, but we are kind of the evil side of you, too. But we're kind of friends. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Depends on the day. Depends on the day. I'm going to go ahead and uh, take this crack trolley down to the stacks and break out my library card. <laughs> I'm full of some interesting segues today. Yeah, you're doing great segues. <laughs> I like the fact that you're then calling them out, going, that was a segue. I like to clap my own back, because nobody else is going to do it for me, sir. <laughs> nobody. Not a single person. Nope. I'm going to talk about the two poems that were part of this issue. During the play that the, kids, the three younger kids were in, Julie Power had the main role where she was dressed up as uh, Lady Liberty, Statue of Liberty. Jack was saying some of the poems. She was saying the other poems. But during the play, they were pulling out two specific poems. I Am an American by Elias Lieberman and The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus. So I'm an American, which is a patriotic poem that was first published in 1916 in the periodical Everybody's. And this poem is a very interesting look. It it represents a nameless, sexless individual that is discussing or talking about a litany of different generic American sites or occurrences and or ideas. The poem places the individual as a part of the actual fabric of the United States, as part of the air, part of the land, a part of its history. 
and kind of places them into the symbolicism of not only the Statue of Liberty, but also of the flag itself. This is a recognized and repeated poem that is very much about what it is to be an American, what it is to feel proud about being American, and the reasons why you make your vow to be an American and to live for and die for the country. And as I'm saying this, I'm also thinking, you know what? Today's 9-11 that we're doing this recording, so it feels very apropos that we're talking about it Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Because if there's any time in the most recent memory, probably especially recently, but I think that the, the nation came together as one under one idealism or one identity. It was following 9-11 when we all had a very strong sense of pride about being American and, 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 and as a response to the terrorist attack. This poem is um, it's a reason why it's brought up a lot is because it really speaks to those feelings and those ideas that are very, you know, very deep within what it is to be a part of this country, even though the country is made up of immigrants. That's not what the, that's part of the story that the immigrants come in, but being part of this country and recognizing the pieces that make up the country for what it is, that's what actually causes uh, us to actually become an American. The New Colossus, on the other hand, is a poem that specifically talks about the Statue of Liberty. And it is pointing out uh, what the Statue of Liberty means and what it represents to us in America and to the world itself as being somebody who welcomes uh, welcomes people into this country. It's very interesting because, and I'm going to kind of read this verbatim from a site, but as many commentators have noted, the poem is pluralistic in its roots. It is an Italian sonnet composed by a Jewish-American woman contrasting an ancient Greek statue with a statue built in modern France. So it really speaks to that pluralistic or that that melting pot of people coming into this country and what it means to actually represent what the people coming into the country want. Again, I'm speaking to this in 2019, and it seems very apropos. As a lot of those uh, ideals and thoughts and um, foundations upon which the country was founded and about how we we tried to welcome in the immigrants and tried to integrate them into society, how that now is being turned around and we have an administration that's pushing them away. But that is the poll. If this came out now, there'd be people freaking out about it. Right, because <laughs> because comics have never had politics in the past. Never. Nope. <laughs> but I mean, except uh, for the ones from the 80s and 70s and 60s and 50s and 40s. Oh, I just did something on the Legion of Superheroes, and I'm like, hey, look, they're talking about climate change, and it's 1962 comic. Please, tell me that there has not been politics always in comics. So, <laughs> that is what I have as far as my library card. I uh, came in off the ferry as I'm coming into this new world, and I looked around, and I said, there is the words that will bring me into this country. It's just too bad I didn't bring any science with me. <laughs> well, I got you covered there, buddy. I brought some science with me. Fantastic! When looking into the crack house window with his family, Alex exclaims that crack is so easy to make that practically all you need is a pot and a stove. Well, I decided to investigate this claim and came up with a recipe that you and your family can make at home. Ready to get started? Let's cook some crack! 
Yay! Gather these common ingredients. One sleeve of saltine crackers, one cup of packed dark brown sugar, two sticks of unsalted butter, a quarter teaspoon of kosher salt, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and two cups of semi-sweet chocolate. Next, follow these steps. One, preheat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Line a 10 inch by 15 inch jelly roll pan with non-stick aluminum foil, making sure that the foil completely covers the bottom and sides of the pan. Line the saltine crackers in a single layer on the bottom. Two, make the caramel sauce. Place the brown sugar, butter, and salt in a medium sized saucepan. Cook on medium heat, stirring frequently until the butter melts. Continue to cook, stirring occasionally for another three to five minutes just until the mixture comes to a boil and starts to darken. Remove from heat and stir in the vanilla extract. Three, pour the hot brown sugar mixture over the saltine crackers. Spread to evenly coat the crackers. Four, move the pan to the oven and bake for five minutes. The caramel will be hot and bubbly. Five, melt the chocolate. Place the chocolate in a microwave safe bowl. Cook it in the microwave for 30 second intervals at full power, stirring between each cook time until the chocolate is melted. Six, Pour the chocolate over the baked crackers. Once the crackers are done baking, remove from oven and allow to cool for one minute until the caramel is no longer bubbling. Then pour the melted chocolate over the crackers. Use a spatula to spread the chocolate evenly over the top. 7. Cool the crackers. Let the crackers cool to room temperature, then move to the refrigerator and cool overnight. 8. Crack the crackers. The crackers will form a single sheet once cool. Remove from the pan and gently peel the foil away. Cut the candy into snack-sized pieces using a chef's knife. And there you have it. Crack that you and your family can make at home. Now it sounds pretty tasty, so I can understand why it's addictive, but I don't see what the big deal is about it and why it was criminalized. <laughs> I guess the 80s were just a simpler time. Jeff, you fool. This is a recipe for Christmas crack, which is a dessert. Alex was talking about crack cocaine, which is made from water, baking soda, and cocaine being mixed and cooked together, and it is a very serious drug. Oh. Well then, I really misunderstood the context of this comic. And that's Science Corner. Al, I have an opening for a new uh, co-host. Would you like to join me? Ooh, there's beer each time, right? You bet. All right. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm here. Also, I live here. But you know what else we have besides beer with this show? What do we got? We've got a refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And that's where we keep the beer. Yes. Yeah. We also keep pieces of art on it. And that is what we're going to talk about now. The refrigerator gallery, gentlemen. Yay. What piece of art in the book really needs to be on that crack, crack-filled family refrigerator? <laughs> you mean the the fridge that Alex destroyed that Brute was going to smash him with? Yeah. Yeah, I bet the art on that one looked great. All right. It's probably a bunch of Ziggy cartoons stapled to it. Let's talk about some... <laughs> I know, stapled. <laughs> stapled, not glued or taped, just stapled. Stapled. <laughs> stapled. Let's talk about some funny, funny backup ones. So, guest first, Al, what is your funny backup picture you want to talk about? Well... Basically, it's not one. It is every panel where they're in costume, and Jack still has that little mustache drawn on his face. <laughs> I might reference these. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Everything, him flying, him doing stuff, and uh, got that little mustache right on his face. Yep. Yeah, his little Frenchman's mustache is the best. That was a great little... I mean, that's been so, that would have been so easy to forget, too. And they did it every time. I love it. 
we'll pick out one of these definitely, but I, I'm, I'm looking right now on How page. How about on page nine? <laughs> All right, we'll start with page nine since that's one of Jack's. <laughs> it's because it's my joke backup one. Uh, I entitled it, This Looks Like a Job for the Flying Frenchman. <laughs> so I'm referencing back to when he misspoke about the Flying Dutchman in the previous issue. So that's uh, that's the one on the top corner of page nine? Yes, this is on the top right-hand corner of, uh, of, the, uh, of the page. And it is just after they finish their play and they found out that Alex isn't there. And they're like, hmm, he's, he's gone to go smash that crack house. So they have very serious faces on. But Jack's face looks just like, oh, this looks like a job from the flying Frenchman. And I just loved it. So. I, I I was also looking. This might spoil something for somebody else. Who brings up, but page sixteen, it's uh, where they're actually in his costume, and it's further on. So I mean, it's like this is after they changed that other stuff at home, where he should have wiped it off his face. But no, they're in the middle of the fight. No, it's still on. And yeah, it's page six. Yeah, page sixteen, still there, and he's got this like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes him look like uh, the uh, the <laughs> evil villain that's about to tie somebody to a railroad track. I know he's great. <laughs> so so. Good. Good. He's Betrock's nephew. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to actually do something a little di- bit different off of those. I'm on page six, mm-hmm. and I call this one Grumpy Cat. And this is the picture that they take. <laughs> and, and it's a, the Polaroid picture, and oh, it's got yeah. the three kids, and they're all smiling. And Jack's got the two bunny ear fingers up behind Julie, and Julie's looking very serious. And in the background, you've got Grumpy Cat Alex yeah. just moop. Yeah, he is in serious mope mode. So that's my grumpy cat. Yeah, I like the panel under that too, where he's in the exact same position and he's got his like his fingers twined, but his thumbs up steepled, and he's just like, mm. you know, it's like he's getting, he's got a lot of deep thoughts going on. What about your top funny one, Al? What do you got for that one? Well, it's not going too far away from where my backup was. It's just not in co- it's not in costume, but it's page twelve, panel two. Jack Sandham. Alex is asleep in there. Yeah. With that smirk and the mushroom. Yes. That is a fantastic one. I thought about grabbing that and I was just like, no, it's too on the nose. Then also, I also like uh, Julian this one too with that fake, fake, big smile. (laughs) (laughs) They are hamming it up like crazy. Actually, And and now that I look at my thing, this is actually my top funny one too. Uh, and the acting award goes to. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically all three of them for a group ensemble work. <laughs> yeah, they did a really nice job there. <laughs> all right, uh, what was your top funny one? My top funny one is on page three, and I call it the Flying Frenchman and his amazing friends. This is on the middle right-hand side of the page. It's just all of them showing their powers. You know, Jack with his Frenchman mustache is carrying Alex, who's be- and you know Jack's being carried by a flying Katie, and Julie's in the background with her, you know, in cloud form. So they're all and they're all very serious. powers are going. Yeah, very serious faces. Except Jack's wearing a mustache. <laughs> yeah, except Jack has his. Well, if he's got to be a detective or yeah, 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 a yeah. flying a flying investigator, he has to have a mustache. Let's let's move away from the funny ones. Although knowing you, Jeff, I think we're going to see more of the uh, the 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 uh, mustache you don't know me i know you very well <laughs> you might know me al and i know what you did to me last issue <laughs> i'm still so, great. <laughs> I'm still so proud of so myself much. for that i don't <laughs> trust you anymore like, dude just happy as can be isn't it great don't trust you <laughs> <laughs> tell us what your backup favorite panel is okay my favorite my backup favorite one is actually a bit of a transition between funny and that because it still goes 
it's still Jack of the Mustache, but it's mm-hmm. uh, page four, the first panel. I like the way it's drawn with them flying there, but Alex like flipped upside down, yelling at Julie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're they're still following the uh, crack, the dealer. crack dealer. But at this and point, there's... it's Alex, Jack, and Katie following the crack dealer. Alex and Julie are busy fighting. Yeah. yeah. And and Alex is just bent over and upside down and is yelling at her. And yeah, that is a that is a funny picture. It, it's a one that stuck sticks out for me too. It's a neat thing in this issue too. Is that honestly the kind of. Uh, you know, Alex is focused and all of them are focused, but like only Jack and Katie are like really focused at the matter at hand. Right. It's like, yeah, we're following this guy. Hmm. It looks like they're super powered people here. Huh? If you look over here, you know, it's like they're being the observant ones where Julie's like, we got to go home and you're being dumb. Alex and Alex is like, kids are dying. And the, uh, the other kids are very like, Hmm, you know what I think <laughs> happening here, we should probably go over to this area. Yeah. Having had two siblings, not three, but two of them, it, that, that does sound, that does ring true to me. what about you what's your uh good one my good one backup is is on page eight and i call it rat attack nice (laughs) yeah it's the very bottom panel and it is uh alex after he's uh powering up and he's gonna go attack the crack house and rats scare him so he blows them up uh it's just it's just first of all it's funny to me uh but also it is it's just a great looking thing because it's very much an alley scene and it's got the powerball and it's got rats flying and there's trash it's like a lot of work went into this kind of little joke panel so i was very impressed by it yeah no i i that's a good one i like that one a lot um I'm going to move all the way back to the end, and I'm going to, for mine, is on page 14, and it's trash on display. There's two panels on this page, and it's the bottom panel, and it's just, it, it's, here's trash. And they're all in their action poses, and they're heading towards Alex, who's standing on a table. And I just, there's something about it. I, I know it's the quintessential, here we are, we're all up. Yeah, it's the full team reveal. It's the full team, but it's. It's really good. I think it's a really well done picture, and it's very evocative of the characters. I mean, you mm-hmm. really kind of get a good idea of and sense of the characters, how they're standing and how they're moving. So I like that one. But let's go on to our top ones. Let's move this forward and talk about what we like the best. Mm-hmm. Al, hit us up. What do you guys your top one? All right. Well, let's go a few more pages past yours to page eighteen, panel three. Lower panel on the left on the left hand side of the page where Julie's all clotted oh, up yeah. and you got brute really big in there, but it's just a silhouette. Yeah. And Razorclaw like kind of ripping his way through the clouds. Nice. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's like, that is good. Or you could see really especially his face, you just see the eyes and like a kind of almost like twisted smile. It's yes. a joker grin that he's yeah, got going grin. on. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And then you also got Brute kind of hanging, you know, his, his fist way up in the air and looked very menacing in the background. Yep. It's a well-done picture. It I is. like it, that's it, it was one. on my list. It was yeah. on my top. And the, look, and the look on Julie's face, too. Yeah. That's a nice look on her face. Like, she's, like, intent on, like, I'm going to block this, you know, mm. intent on blocking these guys out. Yeah, as best she can. All right, Jeff. What do you got? Okay. My top one is on page 13. Ah, yes. And I call it Superhero Skyline. It is the very full bottom panel that's on here. And it's just, I always love this kind of thing where it's showing superheroes in the distance flying or doing whatever. And it has, it has the team and they're flying and, you know, Julie's in cloud form and everything. And there's some, you know, like building structure on the foreground and the background is a very kind of like blue scale, uh, really nice uh, drawings of uh, actual buildings. 
and it's that your favorite monochrome type of thing yeah it's too. that kind of monochrome so there is a lighting thing going on with it but i always love that like giving perspective and scale shots that that can happen where you're like they're just little dots in the distance and it's like yeah the city is huge they okay julie can turn into a giant cloud but she's still not a city and i you know i, I love that kind of thing i'm gonna finish this off on one more page forward and it's <laughs> we laughed about this uh about alex <laughs> saying it but the top panel i already got the bottom panel earlier but the top panel it's alex on that table he's kicked over some vials of crack He's exploding out two energy balls from his chest, and he's saying, Eat energy, crackheads! I'm going to guess you named that panel that. Actually, I called it the Destroyer. Oh, really? Okay. It's Alex's finest moment in this entire book. It might be just Alex's <laughs> final moment ever. Pose. It's a great action pose, and it's I, I, I think you know you got the two guys behind the two uh, human supplier guys who are just like, ah, monochrome have, behind him. I like the guy with his hands on his head screaming. Stop him! Kill him! <laughs> You're not very effective, buddy. <laughs> no, that's I, those are good, good pictures. But let's talk about insults. Let's start insulting each other, gentlemen. Uh, let's go. Well, let's orders. just stick it with things that are being insulting in the comic. Shut and up not and to read your other. thing. Wow, that is harsh. <laughs> You're a real uh, crackhead. Yes. No. You're a real. Uh, I can't think of anything. Jack, why have you failed me? Call him a dog breath. I'm not going to call Rick a dog breath, Jack. You're a dog breath, idiot head. If you're not going to do that, I'm out of here. Jack, no, come back. I'll use it. You're a d d dog idiot. Ah, uh, I got it wrong. <laughs> what is your best... <laughs> What is your best insult, sir? My best insult is on page 13, and it is a jack line. I'm sorry, I should say, what is your worst, or second best? Second best, I, I understood, maybe not All everybody right. else. They've just gotten back, you know, back to their place. They're going to go out and, you know, rescue Alex or whatever. And it is, uh, you know, Katie's like, hey, you know, the the school lunches aren't that bad. Why did you say the lie about how the school lunches made me sick? That's not really nice to the people that make the school lunches. And Jack's line to that is, the school lunches are Barf City, no matter what they serve. Barf City is an amazing uh, kid insult. I absolutely love that. So that's my uh, second favorite uh, insult that was said. Barf City. Or as the man himself would say, Barf City. My backup one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, same page. One panel earlier. It's not a traditional insult, but when Jack's saying it, I think it is. When Julie's saying the school inches aren't bad, and he says, says you. You like navy beans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that cuts yeah. deep. That cuts yeah. real deep. You do like navy beans because you're sick. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say back on page... Or no, go forward on page 16. And this is Razor. I got to talk about Razor. Yeah. Because he's got a line there at the bottom. Uh, actually, uh, Al, you've got Razor's voice. Uh, it's the bottom uh, panel on page 16, uh, the Let Me Guess one. Go for it. Let me guess. You're little baby superheroes. Little baby superheroes. Yeah, that's a good line. It's, yeah, you're the baby team. We're going to go ahead and make fun of you. Yeah, that's one I like. I, I think Razor does a good job with that one. Back around to you, sir. What's your top one? My top one is on page three, and it's an Alex line, and it's in the uh, bottom right-hand panel. And it's after uh, Julie is telling him, it's like, hey, we got to get home because, you know, we've got a play to go to tonight. And Alex is all... 
How can you think about a stupid little kid play when more kids might be dying right now? Stupid little kid play. I just like stupid little kid play. If you put... Yeah, it's just like, oh, not only is it a little kid thing, which is dismissive, it's also stupid. It's like, oh, that's mean. So I thought that was a pretty good one. I liked it That a lot. almost made mine, too. Mm-hmm. That almost became my backup. And what is, if that was not your backup, what is your top one? Ah, yes. My top one is Katie putting crazy legs in, you know, throwing some shade at crazy legs on uh, page 18. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. When he tells her that's what you get with, when you mess with professionals. And in an awesome display of power and ability. Uh-huh. Flies right all around him, confusing the heck out of him, and then plowing right into his stomach going, yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. yeah. Kate, Katie, Katie did a fine job taking she's, down Crazy Yeah, she's great. We are going to stay on page 18, and if you wouldn't mind taking a look at Razor's last little monologue on here. You mean with, when he goes, I... What's with you cowards? If you wouldn't mind yeah. reading that one for me. Sure. What's with you cowards? Fessing up? Running out? Go! And leave these baby heroes for trash. So yeah, we got cowards, and once again he hits them with that baby heroes. Razor's not a nice guy. No, not really. No, not really a nice guy. I want to talk about the detention. So let's go ahead and talk about the best and worst. We're going to go ahead and start with the worst, because if we don't all have the same worst... I'm going to be disappointed. All right. Let's just all blurt out his name in <laughs> three, two, two, one. Alex. Julie. Oh, what? What? I you know. Got I was surprised. You've I, got I, Julie? Yeah. Go oh, ahead. Yeah, you tell stories. Tell, tell us why you think Julie right. is the worst in this story. So I went back to the issue with each kid and I looked what they did, things they did or said, and basically gave them a one or, you know, a one or zero, depending on what they did, you know, good or bad, and then kind of added it up to see what it actually added up to, you know, adding up mm-hmm. and taking away. And Julie came out the lowest because while Alex does a lot of bonehead dumb stuff, there's also stuff that he actually does try and do, and like he does have some butts of like there, there there's a motivation and he has a motivation. There's a good motivation here at least. He's not doing this because he hates people. He's upset by the things that are happening, and I mean. So there's that. But Julie really doesn't do much. You know? She, wait, yeah, she clouds, clouds around the cover Alex in the alley. Mm-hmm. At Katie and Jack's insistence. Mm-hmm. They tell her to put the costume on. Julie really has not much going on here in this issue. Most of the time when she does something, one of the others told her to do it. Hmm. And so, like, at least Alex had... No, Alex didn't come much much better. He's about a step above... But there was at least some motivation and things he was trying to do, and he came up with some plans, whether they work or not. He actually, he had some motivation and things to do. The same with the others, more or less. Julie's kind of just like, in this issue, Julie just was kind of there. Interesting. I I went with Alex, because Alex's boneheaded moves were, he put himself in danger. He put his family in danger. He put all the people inside that crack house in danger. There are better ways to go about what he was trying to do. He went there to blow it up. Who cares about the consequences? We know that, you know, Trash got out of the place. We know what Power Pack did. Probably the two guys that were running the place got out of there. But how many passed out, unconscious, you know, drugged up people 
how many of them died in that fire? That is exactly the point that I was going to make on that, is that it's a flop house. Right. There are people passed out there. And, uh, yeah, it, they they never approached even trying to say, hey, Gotham's totally empty right now, or Metropolis is totally empty right now. They were. Just, it was just like, they showed people passed out in an entire room you right. know, there. It's like, you know there's got to be some people that are just there. Yeah. So I, I, I would... Personally, for me, I think that Alex is worse in this issue just because his his actions and his decisions of what he was trying to do, however pure they might be, he was not thinking, and there were some unintentional consequences that occurred because of. It. I'm not, you know, arguing. Like I said, he was very. It was very much a toss up. So it's not like Alex was coming away scot free and in the ro- <laughs> smelling like roses. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. And I could, I could see. You know, here's the deal. Here's the fun part about this is that pick who you want that's yeah. the it's the right yeah. answer for you it's like oh i don't agree with that but that's the right answer for you so perfect and it's neat because it kind of goes well how come you thought that right. I, I like that but and, there is a part and you know, your issue didn't have those extra pages of cloak and dagger in the bottom teleporting everyone out mine did no no <laughs> that's that <laughs> asterisk where it's like to see how the drug users escape see cloak and dagger issue eight there you Clean, go cleaning up the power mess is the that title's title again again <laughs> The kids are out again doing stuff, Cloak. Oh, crud. Yeah. Oh, so follow them. Yeah. Yeah. No, what annoyed me about Alex, too, in this was, uh, you know, it's just like, he just wanted to go do a thing. It took the rest of the family to go, hey, we can do, you know, let's compromise. We can do it after we do the thing that we want to do. You bet. And he just runs off and everything. But at the very end of the comic, when they're coming back home, and he's like, he's like, and we did it as a team, bro. It's like, no. they came and saved your bacon, you non bacon substitute man <laughs> oh yeah I, I i remember even as a kid i'm like did they screw up the placement here should that have gone to jack yeah no they, it was just no. alex that alex. was 100 alex, like, alex being alex we're, we're we did it together no no yeah, no we no. did not we were gonna do it together yeah. but then you had to run away earlier and uh guess what we got there at about the same time you did you could have waited an hour <laughs> Yeah. And we missed ice cream. And we all missed ice cream. We could have had ice cream Ooh. and smashed a crack house. Wait, he and made the miss ice cream. Never mind, Alex. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Alex See, is the worst. Oh, that is actually the best reasoning why, why Alex is the worst. That's my reason. Speaking of ice cream, we've already got one person up on the star platform, and that's Jeff. Now we're going to go ahead and put some other kids up on the star platform. <laughs> Who do we have as the best? I'm going to go ahead and go first because I want to be contrarian, and I want to say... Julie's the best. No, I'm with you there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Julie's the best. Wow. Yeah. We just we, we, we're yep. you know, you're we're you, can, you can say whatever you want, Al. And you, that's your opinion, and your opinion, yep. of course, is right. Yeah. Except now, got... your opinion's wrong because Jeff and I. Yeah. I know we got together beforehand <laughs> and discussed it. In, you know, very detailed. It's like, all right, no matter what Al picks, we're going to pick the opposite. But no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I picked Julie because uh, Julie was the star of the show. Julie did a lot to help out and and she did try to help and she did try to protect and she was trying to get in Alex's face and tell him no don't do this yeah. don't don't be going running off we've got other responsibilities we've got other things to do you can't go and do this by yourself we'll go and do it with you and he was just she was trying to get in front of that she would actually get in his face yeah she didn't want the family to take the karma hit for uh neglecting obligations and also too I, I think the fact that she was the star of the show it's like hey guess what here's her chance she's doing this thing she's very proud of it the other two kids are proud of it too and alex is kind of 
he's raining on that parade. Big time. Yeah. yeah. And you know, she's proud of what she's doing. And That's all she reason. should be. Right. For a and, stupid no, little kid no. play. She was the lead of a stupid little kid play. She should be happy about that. Anything else you want to add? No, uh, I fully agree on all of that. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, it was honestly very much a toss-up between the, the three other kids where it's like you could pick any one of them. And I'm like, yeah, they, they did a good job because you know, it was a very Alex episode. Yeah. But yeah, it was just the aspect that the Julie was like standing up to Big Brother leader and going, no, what you're doing is not right here. We need to do these things. So, right. yeah. Well, I mean, the Julie option, actually hearing your debates on it, that's actually pretty good and makes sense. I mean, completely wrong, of course, but yeah, you know, sure, of course. Yeah, I was, yeah, was, right was, yeah. was going <laughs> to say, Katie. could be totally wrong. Katie. I'm sorry, Katie. Okay, yeah, Katie was a great choice. Katie is, does some awesome power stunts in this book when fighting. Yes. Katie is like one of the ones who like figures, like in the beginning when Alex starts freaking out, is the one telling, I think, I believe it's actually Katie's the one that tells Julie, hey, cloud cover. Mm-hmm. Katie is the one that actually. Katie, well, it's a Katie and Jack, too, but I mean, Katie's the one that's paying attention once they're like, okay, we're going to be following this guy. All right, we're going to follow these guys. While they're arguing, she's paying attention to what they're doing. And it's Katie's the one that actually comes up with the plan of her being sick so they can try and sneak away. Because Jack and Julie don't have an, don't have an idea what to do yet. They're following right. her lead. So, like, throughout this issue, I'm looking for, like, good, bad things the kids did. And there's plenty of times where Katie, I mean, I think the worst is probably, like, issue was it 16 or 17 when frank when they first meet franklin where she's just a brat yeah yeah <laughs> just to be like a brat for a brat's sake here like katie did nothing wrong like she's in a golden day everything yeah. she did was great yep. here so like there was it's katie i can definitely go along with with your choice of katie i i really can because she did do a great job of acting kind of a little bit unprompted by the re- other kids she that was, was a big part them- yeah she was oh my stomach yeah, yeah she was when the one who got them out of that yeah because she they were, they were like what are we gonna do yeah we gotta get out of this katie uh, yeah katie was all boom yeah. we do this no I, I think katie is a fantastic choice as well so while i totally disagree with your detention i think that your choice for star is perfect al <laughs> Moving on to G count. Uh, just burn it through real quick. It was a um, uh, zero G force. So he, Alex said zero this time. G average is now at a flat one. And that makes sense because uh, whereas down to earth, you know, earth, earth has the gravity of one. And uh, we're as down to earth as we can be in the middle of this crack storyline. And uh, the G total is 31 for 31 issues. So, All right. That moves us on to top grades where we evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. And we've got number one being our favorite issue number 25. And of course, the last one, we still have the Thor issue with Power Pack. Now, we have the prior two issues of this crack saga sitting in at issue... Just the prior one. Well, I kind of put the Johnny Rival with a gun... Uh, spider and hobgoblin fight yeah, i kind of okay. put that in there with as well uh we've got those issues at 25 and 26 respectively mm-hmm. so i guess that's a good place to start yeah do we think that this is better than issues 29 and issue 30 what do you think al i think it's better than them at least i don't think it's worse Okay, I think I can I can agree with that i actually can i think that this is a little bit better at least better than the uh Issue 30, the Alex discovers that there's a crack problem. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 having trouble putting it above 29, though? 
I, I kind of have trouble putting it above 29, and I definitely am not going to put it above no. uh, issue 205. Well, I, that's easy then. Let's uh, just put it above issue 30, which is crack up at 26, and uh, below you know, uh, issue number 29, which is Obsession, so it could be the new 26. Yeah, you guys there got a go. problem with that? No, I, it, I think that's fine there. I just, I, I have a real hard time putting it above Uncanny X-Men 205. Yeah. The Wounded Wolf. Yeah. No, it doesn't yeah. doesn't go above that. The most I would have done is above 29 at the most. I don't think I would have gone above 205. We're right in my range anyway. I kind of feel that uh, the Spidey and Hobgoblin fight um, and just some of the ridiculousness of that. Yeah. It just makes that issue a little bit better than this one. I can see that. Yeah. And Spidey's in it. And Spidey's in it. Let's go ahead and do the final thoughts on the beer. What did we think about this beer? Gentlemen, we are thinking the 21st Amendment Brewery, Brew Free or Die. Al, how do you like this one? I liked it. Unfortunately, it's all gone. I should have bought more. (laughs) We bought the Tall Boys. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have the Tall Boys where I was. Is this something you would buy again? Not a big IPA drinker, but to get to switch things up sometimes. Um, I do usually like a lot of either stouts or sometimes sometimes wheat beers too. Mm-hmm. But to mix it up, I wouldn't mind buying this and having that you know occasional one in the middle. Switch it up here and there. You sound very much like you have the uh, same drinking uh, style that we do, where it's like, yeah, I love wheat beers. Yeah, I love stouts. Yeah, and I found this one to be uh, it's tasty. It's it's great. It's very yeah. It's unassuming. It's nice. It has a good flavor. It uh, it's it's an IPA that isn't an IPA. Mm-hmm. It's an IPA that's very very well masking itself as something else. It's costumed up really really good for me. I like it. I'd give it a four. I'd totally drink it again. I go three and a half. Okay, just three about a four. Yeah, I definitely would drink it again. I'm not gonna rush out to buy more right away, but right. Yeah, it's I probably gonna be bought f- again. Yeah, I wouldn't fill my fridge with it, but I would definitely drink it if it was a. Uh, an if, option. Yeah, if it was an option, I'd be like, oh, what's on the menu? Oh, yeah, I'll have one of those. It's actually good. So, yeah. I will also say that this is a four for me. I'm right up there with you guys. I, I will say this is a four. I enjoyed it. It's a pleasant, pleasant drink. I think we've got a little bit rainy, some sunny, some muggy days going on. I think in the deep, dry summertime, yeah. oh, this would be This fantastic. would be really good during that. But, yeah, we are definitely in the death throes of summer right now. I'm wearing <laughs> pants. Actually, I might have to buy another one and bring it tomorrow. Drink it tomorrow night because it is still summer, basically here. Oh, nice. Yeah, you, Florida isn't it always summer there? Uh, pretty much. There's like a week in December where it stops. Okay. Hate you so much. I don't. <laughs> I think Al's fine, and I like Florida. I'll send you pictures on Thanksgiving when I'm in my shorts and t-shirt. <laughs> I'll send you pictures of me on Thanksgiving in my tor- shorts and t-shirt. As I'm freezing outside, deep frying a turkey. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It, it starts getting cold then. Yeah, and that leads us to kids' perspective, and that's where Rick and Carrie have a discussion about the issue at hand. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you today? Not feeling well. I'm sorry. You got a little bit of a cold, don't you? Yeah, spreading in my class. <laughs> I don't approve of your class sharing a cold with each other. I roll. <laughs> <laughs> we are still here. We're still going to talk about this comic book. Yeah. What did you think about Power Pack number 41? Okay. Uh, I think it's... I think I got the action I wanted. There is a lot of action in it. Who's the new bad guys that we're introduced to? Trash? Question mark? <laughs> what did you think of Trash? I don't know why, but they picked the name Trash. 
Yeah, because it's kind of how their boss, the garbage man, sees them. And we haven't met him yet. But it's also uh, how they're kind of viewed. You don't really like the name? Mm, no, it's okay. What do you think about the uh, individual characters? I don't know. They call the one that one guy with um, the big claws boss. Razor? Yeah. Do you like them? Do you not like them? They would be good bad guys, but... Well, they're in the middle, okay? They're in the middle? Yeah. They're not great. They're not bad. They're just okay? Yeah. All right. What do you think about what Alex does during this issue? Well, he did say that he was sick, that he... He That's didn't so, feel well. So he could get out of play and so yeah. he could go take care of this. Yeah. What did he promise his siblings that he would do? Um, watch them. That he would wait, right? Yeah. So did he break his promise? Yeah. Was that okay? No. Should he have waited for his family? Yes. Why? Well, for one thing, he promised. For another thing, it's nicer. And why else would it be a good idea to wait for his family and his teammates? I mean... His family put a lot of hard work into this play, probably. Yes. And he will probably... If they saw him escape, they would be kind of sad. That is a good take on it. You're right that it, it was it was bad of him to, to not watch all the hard work his family put into the play. But also, he went to this crack house by himself. Yeah. Was that dangerous? Yeah. And if he had waited for his family, that would have been better, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple things that he really messed up on by doing that by himself, right? Yeah. And his family had to sacrifice a lot to go see him, didn't they? Yeah, they had to sacrifice not going to get ice cream. That's sad, isn't it? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> don't you like ice cream? I do. Not my favorite food. What's your favorite food? I don't know. You just don't know, do you? No. You don't. You can't make decisions, can you? No. 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 Uh, what do you think about the cover of this book? I know you like talking about the covers. I have a question about the cover. Sure, what's your question? Why is Airhead holding the needle, like, and acting kind of surprised? That is a very good question, because she is not holding the needle during the during the issue, right? No. That's actually something that's kind of in the next issue, a little bit. But it's it is something that we notice, too. A lot of times, people will use needles to... In- inject drugs into their bodies so it might be a call out for that because he is in a crack house that could be part of the reason but it doesn't really happen in the book i would kind of like to see his siblings like somewhere yes but in this case he did go and attack the house by himself so it's kind of showing that he's off by himself again isn't it yeah made me think it was just an alexandrian episode again but it has the others too yeah it had them a little bit a little bit more overall did you enjoy this issue though yeah anything else you want to say no thank you very much for your time carrie you're welcome i love you love you too shout out time We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for the awesome episode we did for episode 38 with our epic interview with June Brinkman and Louise Simonson. AJ. Akil Wilson. Al Sedano and the Resurrections Warlock and Thanos podcast. Hey, that's me. Bob Roland. Brandon Liza. Charlie Rose. Kristen Conkle. Christopher Bush. Chuck Gears. Clinton Robinson and the Coffee and Comics Podcast. Colin Stapleton and the worst comic podcast ever. Slyke Braun. Dan Boers. 
David Adler. Dyphon C. Gary Key. Gene Hendricks. Gibson. Green Lantern HG. Hoover Jeremiah. Ian Jackson. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins. Jerome Haynes. Julie Power Fan. June Brigman. Keith Baker. Kofi. Let's Talk New Warriors. The Long Box Crusade Podcast and Weasel Skull. Louis Wheezy Simonson. Ah. Mal Keeps Forgetting Sunscreen. You and me both, brother. Max Traver. Mitch Gillian and the Nerd Out. The Portland, Oregon's premier nerd bar. Nicholas Prom and the Comic Reflections Podcast. NZ Waffles. Paul Dune. Power Pack Nation. Radioactive Dog Welder. Rustin LF. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Tim Price. Come on down. Thor Edison. TK Hulk 2.0. Yenna. And we have a five-star review on Apple Podcasts from BradleyMan612. Two guys who are enjoying beer and underrated comics, also with Science Corner and Kid Perspective, a combination that makes sense with the comic they are covering. More fun than comics were, and the comics were a blast. Thank you very much. That's actually, I was pretty happy reading that. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. So, Al, tell us where the fine, fine folks can find you on the internets. Well, like we said earlier, it's Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. It's, well, basically it's about the Marvel characters Adam Warlock and Thanos. Kind of put it out on Front Street there, so no surprises. <laughs> Obviously, wherever podcasts are, just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. We're pretty much one of the only things that pop up. Main page usually is Tumblr, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com, or just find me on Twitter at AdamThanosPod. And be sure to check out the other shows that we're on, Rick Meets the Legion, which you can find at Comic Reflections, and our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rookie Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Also, I have been a guest on a couple of shows recently. You can find me on the Long Box Crusade Saturday Morning Matinee Show discussing Flash Gordon Episode 7. I was also on the Cheerscast discussing Season 2, Episode 7, Old Flames. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Right now, it is just t-shirts and stickers around our logo, but we will try and come up with some more fun stuff for our fans. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. And thank you very much for joining us, Al. This has been a hoot. And a half. And an Annie. <laughs> Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of, meh, a sort of live audience in Portland, Oregon, and in Tampa, Florida. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are a supporter of the Hero Initiative. And we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us and share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. And my wife, Kim. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Netherworld Shanty. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Agopitech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. And uh, barking dogs. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
host of the Warlock Thanos Resurrection podcast. Did I get that right? Yep. Close enough. That's how they screwed Warlock. up. What is it? Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Okay. <laughs> Big guy named Brute. We're talking upper arms inside of... Mmm, mmm, the words taste good. The sibling super kids sneakily scope out the suspect structure, stealthily searching and secretly seeing in the CD site. Several sick and sleepy scum are slouched, stuffed in the stinky and sleazy sephoric spot. Seriously, several sibilant sounds starting with S? Some. We like to share the magic of alliteration with our guests. Bravo, sir. Yeah. Bravo. Is that okay? Do you need me to do it again? You no. did it in one. That Perfect. was pretty great. Perfect. My wife heard me practicing that several times last night. Uh, <laughs> She's like, what the hell are you doing? You practice? You practice? That's, that's, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we never. <laughs> yeah, we just come in cold and then go, what the heck did I write? <laughs> Why did I get this line? <laughs> and while this orat... No, oration. Orational? Yeah, orational. 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 That too. Oh no! Uh, wrong, 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 Jack. Wrong Jack. Uh, so, oh sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I don't. I don't even know where I was going. Meanwhile, in the <laughs> we don't either. Eat energy, crackheads. It's the best line of the book. <laughs> Every time I'll flip through the book and I see that, and it's just like, oh, Alex, you tough guy. <laughs> oh, I could have said that any worse. <laughs> he said it was, it was mwah, oh, the chef's kiss. You, you know his voice cracked at that exact moment when he was trying to stop talking to Let's see if I... Eat energy, crackheads! <laughs> It'd be even better if it ended on a question mark. Like, eat energy, crackheads! Eat energy, crackheads! <laughs> There's the crack in the voice. Perfect. That's a fully work there, moving the mic back and forth. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's, uh, wow. We'd like, 